1: everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodine. I am your host and uh, this is episode 260. Episode 260 that's going to be released on October 1st. seems very appropriate. I don't know if those are all round numbers. It just seems like it it all fell into place this year for 260 and October 1st. I don't know. For some reason in my head, these are important numbers. But what is important is it's a new month, so we need to thank our Patrons. So we are going to start with our newest patrons first. Steve, Neil, Bruce, Isaiah, Anthony, Howard, Jessica Kirsch, Peter, Bruce, Elon, Muskie, Rolando, Tommaso, Adam, Vanilla Wafer, Ryan, I'm almost reading your last name, so that's why I'm pausing, sorry, Karen, Chip, Chris, Sierra, my Sierra, Dale, Don, Cameron, Nate, Mark, and James, thank you so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate each and every one of you for doing that. And if you would like to me to read something different uh, when I read your name, just shoot me an email and I'll I'll make that happen. Because I like the funny names, to be honest with you. The funny names give me a, uh, a giggle, Mr. Vanilla Wafer and Elon Muskie. If you would like to join those folks and get an ad-free experience... Go to patreon.com forward slash the kilowatt or support kilowatt.com and pledge a dollar and the ads just disappear. You get your own feed. Last week, I mentioned that I did an interview with Dane Myers, who is a musician. And not only is uh, he a musician, he's a really smart and nice guy. And we sat down and we talked and the interview turned into really a conversation. And I do want to say a couple of things before... We get into the interview before I run the interview. The first thing is, I portrayed Dane as being like an environmental rapper, and that's not, that couldn't be further from the truth, actually. Um, And he corrected me on this, rightfully so, that he just kind of writes about things in his life. And uh, he has an album out. Well, he has two. One just has one song, and I believe that one's called Changes. And then he's got a, another album out that came out a couple of years ago called This Changes Everything. And my favorite song off of that album is actually Scars. It's a great song. So that's one thing I wanted to clear up. The second thing is we get into um, climate change. And for me, climate change is not a political thing at all. It is a science thing, hands down. And when I talk about climate change on the show... My goal is not to change your mind or your heart. My goal is just to give information and you can take that information and do with what you want. But a lot of times that climate information, when you talk about climate change, that gets very politicized. And I just want everybody to know, Dane and I make it very clear throughout this whole thing that we are not interested in in political uh, banter. Like if you want to talk about climate change, feel free to email me, Bodhi at 918digital.com. But if you want to uh, debate politics, that's not really my thing here. I just talk about renewable energy and and fun things with electric cars and stuff like that. So I want to make that very clear. We're coming at this from an information standpoint, not from a political standpoint. And I don't think we say anything that's controversial, by the way. But every now and again, I will get emails that are on the... uh, cusp of political and and it comes from different sides and i i just not here to discuss politics because that's a very hard thing to discuss over email all right having said all of that let's go ahead and jump into our interview with dane myers
0: this is dane myers here on the kilowatt podcast and i'm going to play the unreleased outro the sequel to the living in my tesla song Uh, goes like this
2: Salt and pepper, vegan leather Salt and pepper, vegan leather Life isn't perfect, but I feel fine Salt and pepper, vegan leather
0: If you listen to this, I want you to imagine me taking a bath In the front trunk of my Tesla
2: with Bodhi Hanging out All right. Okay, it's nighttime underneath street signs. It's crisp air whispering secrets. Ears reaching the sounds of engines in the distance. As they exit, I started thinking some heavy stuff and thought not tonight. And then I crawled into this back seat. You stayed awake to ask for interaction. And I'm passionately passing you this 85% dark chocolate, which is fair trade. Always how we end some days out here in outer space. Uh Okay, I'm staying out of trouble. With you, my life is fresh cooked, kept promise, naked cuddle, eye gazing in the morning, meditating, praying this one's not a bubble. I was stumbling in the dark, trying to fix a broken heart before you noticed it. Like most of us, I'm broken. Got some dead dreams, skeletons, white guilt, climate grief. No, I so easily feel defeated. You charge me back up when my battery gets depleted. Keep me staring at the stars through an all glass ceiling. I learned to trust you and that's... a This world is so cold. Come on, let's turn a little heat on. For real, I think you're someone I believe in. I'm so thankful for it. Salt and pepper, vegan leather, salt and pepper, vegan leather. Life isn't perfect, but I feel great. Salt and pepper, vegan leather, salt and pepper, vegan leather. Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. Uh, That was really good. Thank you very much for writing a song about me and including our naked uh, camping. (laughs) Something
0: like that. I know we're just going to know each other, but I thought I'd go ahead and take us there, you know?
1: No. You know what? I, I think you already know this about me. I'm game for anything. So um, that was a follow-up to your, your first song, which is Living in Your Tesla. And since everybody's meeting you for the first time, let's kind of just start with how did you uh, start living in your Tesla? What was what's, What prompted that?
0: Yeah, so I was living in Little Haiti in Miami, and I lived at this really cool vegan farm um, called Earth and Us. And I just really wanted to get an electric car. And I decided the easiest way to do that was to switch my rent payment for a car payment. Um, And so I I had a place there at the vegan farm. There was like an outdoor shower, outdoor kitchen. I had friends that lived there. So I had these kind of community spaces that I could use, which is really important. There's a big garden there, which is great. And so I just thought what a fun adventure this would be if I just gave up this room to, to a friend and went and got an electric car and, you know, had the AC on overnight and had Netflix on the screen and had a car cover to be able to have some privacy. And so gave it, gave it a try and laid down in the showroom to make sure that it was going to work out. And they, they let me do that. They let me put the back seat down. Um, and it's been a couple years of this sort of, magical
1: pecky hippie adventure. That is awesome. So um, a lot of people know that I'm, I grew up in Alaska and I grew up, I was born in 1974. A lot of the, the parents, not my parents in particular, but a lot of the parents that I grew up with and around and who I consider to be like family in Alaska grew up on communes or in communes, whether it's in California or Oregon or stuff like that. So I always have a, uh, a special place in my heart for people who, like you, grew up or not grew up, but were living on a farm and in a sustainable community. Because that's kind of how I grew up, without um, you know any of the and not not to say there's culty overtones. But if you ever listen to any stories about cults, like it, it tends to always start on a on a uh, commune somewhere in the '60s. But not in not in the cases of my family anyway. Um, I don't know if that's insulting. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just no, to
0: no. There, there is some correlation. I am aware.
2: Yeah, but <laughs>
1: when I was a kid, like if and and you're vegan, but like if if somebody went hunting and killed a moose, like all that food went to multiple families. It didn't just stay with one family as a typical. Uh, and then in the fall, we would jar fruits and vegetables and things like that to prepare for the winter and stuff like yeah. that. So that's. Like um, you know, that's kind of how I grew up. It's not how I live now, but it's definitely how I grew up, and I have a spot wow. in my heart for those kinda I've never deep. met anyone still that, that alive. Grew up
0: in Alaska that that sounds like that sounds like if I had a podcast, you should be my first guest to talk about your life growing up in Alaska. i I would be on it in a heartbeat for sure. I'm sure you have a lot of stories that could, if I, if it's like below fifty degrees. My instinct is to shrivel up and perish. So <laughs> living in Florida,
1: can't imagine growing up in Alaska. Well, right now, uh, if it gets below fifty, sixty to fifty here in Arizona, that's that's cold enough for me. I'm I'm good. Like yeah. if we go up north to Flagstaff or whatever, and it gets really cold. I'm I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I like it for short periods of time, but that's about it. So you, you decided you're going to live in your car. You bought your Tesla, and then how do, how do you how do you set that up? Because in in your song "Living in My Tesla," you talk about composting in your glove box. I'm not sure if that's a joke or if that's a, a serious thing. Um, but how do you set that whole thing up, like in order to make that your home?
0: Well, I think it took on various forms. Like there were little experiments. So at first. I thought I'm going to be able to travel. You know, my, my job was remote even before COVID. And so I thought, wow, this is going to be so amazing and kind of romanticized this idea of being able to, like the song says, like just go see friends that I'd missed and park in their driveway and show them an electric car and work from wherever and be really flexible. And it was cool for a little bit. I think I realized that like, there are benefits of that, but it's really hard to like build and have any kind of community or build any kind of lifestyle when you're in different places all the time. So, and, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like, what is your time worth? Cause going to shower at plant fitness can kind of be a waste of time. If you don't, you know, if you're not trying to go to the gym that day anyway or whatever, you know? So there's, there's like some aspects of it that just aren't suit, like, you know, like having to eat out constantly. I was trying to keep food in the front trunk, um so I had like powdered milk and cereal and you know, peanut butter and stuff that you know wouldn't go bad or whatever, because it gets hot up in that front trunk. Um and so anyway, I, I did that for a few months and I would like sometimes even sleep at superchargers and stuff, um, like Walmart parking lots, you know, or so anyway, it was it was fun for a little while, but not super sustainable and the and I did I did have a compost thing in my console. I had like this really perfectly fitting jar that just was like fit perfect right in the console i was so happy to find it and so while i was out eating out of the front trunk and stuff i was able to just you know because the 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 less garbage that i could create the, the less i had to deal with which depending on where i was you know maybe there was a trash can nearby or not um and so it was cool to just be able to have that and then go dump it and wash it out when i ended up at someone's house that had a compost but the 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 reality of it was is that um you know, being somewhere where you had access to public spaces like outdoor showers and things like that, and and just things like internet. And and now where I live, um, I, for the summer I've lived in this house here. This is another co-op called the Peanut Butter Palace, which I can tell you more about from the Green Gatsby video that you saw. Um, but but starting in October, I'm going to move back out into the car again, um, because it's cooling off a little bit here in Florida. And I have solar here, so I get to be able to charge off of sunshine and drive around on sun, which is pretty amazing. And there's a big food forest here, outdoor shower, and there's also people around. There's like, you know, so there's just all these like different kind of things that I'm able to build up in my life, being fixed in one place where like being everywhere, you can't really do that.
1: So yeah, there is there is a lot to be said for routine. Like sometimes routine is definitely bad. And in the last whatever it's been, 18 months or so of COVID, my, the routine is killing me because I'm not a person mm-hmm. who likes to sit still. I like to leave and go places, but we haven't been really able to do that, especially until my kids get vaccinated. But on top of that other side of it, when you're constantly gone and you just don't have roots, that also feels like you're kind of like just wasting not Not necessarily that you're wasting time, you're just kind of wasting internally. It's good to have those roots that you go back to and in Florida, I used to spend uh my summers so we would do a week and a half in Florida and a week and a half in Texas and summers in Florida are brutal mm-hmm. and, like I did not understand what I didn't know what humidity was until we started vacationing in Florida to visit my mm-hmm. aunt like it it's just like so uncomfortable. I can't imagine yeah. trying to uh, live in your car for that. Tell me a little bit. Where about, I like that you're go ahead. Where in Florida did you visit? Was it the same place every year? Yeah, so my grand my my not my grandparents, my aunt and uncle, they lived in a place that had the name Crystal in it. And I want to say it was like Crystal Springs. It was outside. Crystal of River? Maybe. It was outside of yeah. Orlando, and it was like very rural. I'll That's kinda of by where I grew up.
0: There's like yeah. Rainbow Rainbow Springs, Crystal River um yeah that's like kind of a little further north from orlando a couple hours kind of up towards the ocala, uh, ocala national forest um so that's, that's beautiful yeah kind of rural middle of nowhere area
1: yeah my my aunt and uncle um for a little time lived in this like um it's not a mobile home park but it's like a manufactured home area mm-hmm. and they had this big gated off area and they're was an alligator in the gated off area. I don't know. I have never saw anybody feed this thing, but it was just like this big, huge fence off area that you couldn't climb in to because it was so tall and they had a wow. little razor wire at the top, but there was just an alligator in the middle of this community. Welcome to Florida, right? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was weird. And, uh, but you know something for a kid from Alaska to see a moose and an alligator, two different animals. animals. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So now uh, you're in your, your co-op and this is where you filmed uh, the green Gatsby. Yep. That's right. Yeah. This,
0: this is where I lived before I moved down to Miami. And so after COVID, I, my job was definitely going to be remote and I decided to, come back up here to the peanut butter palace
1: that's cool man um were, were you friends with the people so if people don't know that there's a video of your song the green gatsby and it's really good did were the, were the people that um were in the video were they just like people hanging around and you're like you want to shoot a music video how did that come about
0: so we do a lot of events here and there's a lot of people that especially pre-covid it's like a it's almost like kind of like an event center in a way. We have like this music room here and then we have we called the abundance room. There's like a library here and like workout space here. And there's a said, a food forest in the backyard. Um, so people can have space to like grow food for themselves if they want. So it's kind of like a, it's a house in a neighborhood, but uh, um, so far as it doesn't create tensions with our neighbors, we, um, we have like a, a really like open house kind of thing going on here, especially before COVID. So, um, so yeah, I mean, in my mind, it was kind of a magical place. Cause I came from working, I had a startup, had like an online recording studio venture and it was really, really challenging and hard. And we, you know, like every startup or every business felt super under-resourced and I was like working like a jillion hours, you know, a week and just, just throwing, really throwing myself at it and really didn't have it figured out. And in the wake of that, I moved in here to this peanut butter palace place. And I moved in next to all these people who didn't really have jobs in a traditional sense, at least, and all prioritized, like taking care of themselves and doing things with their lives that made them feel um, fulfilled and balanced and had a big focus on wellness. And I was just so swept up and, 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 And it was really positive for me to be around people who weren't like super big workaholics. And so I I really just kind of found my niche um, here. And this is kind of where I started to hear little things about sustainability and started to get the bigger picture. And it kind of set me on my path of becoming this like high tech hippie videographer, musician person. Um, but But it started here and then I went to Miami and then so it's been really great to get back and and you know, get back into the spot.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And one of the things that you said, um, or I don't even know if we've mentioned it yet, but your, your music is all about like sustainability and renewable energy. And then you, you uh, talk about veganism and just kind of being overall like healthy from within. And it's, Like on, on paper, we talked about this earlier on paper, that's a really hard sell because it's not sex and it's not like sensationalized or anything like that. But when you sit down and you actually listen to the music, how you got me to listen to this song was you sent me an email and you're like, here's a video of me taking a bath in my Tesla. And I immediately clicked on it because that that's, I mean, you hit the right button for me for sure. And it was a, I noticed that it was a good song and I started listening to other stuff. So what made you specifically decide this is where I'm going to focus like my music on these, these three things or four or five or whatever it is. Equal awareness, I should say.
0: I think I, I think I grew up like with a bunch of um, listening to a bunch of songwriters and stuff. You know, you think about like Bob Dylan or like Jason Mraz or some, some of these people where the, um, the ethos is like you're writing about your life and your experiences and so I think that's kind of always been my lens is that like the music is, is for me to, you know, draw from my experiences and use those to create an experience for somebody else. And so I think the more that this, the more that I learned about sustainability really turns the world on its head. Like it, it really like, it, it really is a, um, it's a, it's a profound thing that's happening. Right. And so to really, experience that and explore that and be around other people who are um, trying to learn how to live with that it it just I think gave me a different outlook on the world and so it naturally seeped into my music it was never like you know I gotta figure out how to be you know be a sustainable rapper or something like that you know it was just like one day I just started you know I was listening to a bunch of hip-hop and I just started writing raps and then and then you know, I was living in this, like, hippie, sustainable co-op thing, and it started to include things about bananas on the counter and solar on the roof, and, you know, it was just, like, you know, it just it just kind of happened over time, so, and I think that's the challenge, right, is, like, you don't want it to become, you don't want it to become, a, a like, a, I don't want it to become, uh, like, I'm the sustainable rapper, and this is my thing, and I do this, you know, it's about having it's a human experiences and having and finding like the whether it's sustainable or not like finding something that resonates with people on just a human level that happens to just be through the lens of sustainability cuz that's just what i'm interested in like like the the little preamble thing i did at the beginning of the podcast that's about uh it's about like first of all being in a relationship with a girl that's crazy enough to like basically live in my tesla with me which is pretty cool and unwinding at the end of the day and you just happen to be in an electric car you know so it's like still finding these same kind of common things that people like chill out eat a bar of chocolate and talk about their day um but like it just happens to be in the most relevant important type of vehicle for the for our society and where it's headed and so that's just that's just you know from talking about what happened and writing a song about the night before or whatever
1: Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that you can't get anyone, you'll never have a chance. I I shouldn't say you can't get somebody to change their opinion because you'll never change their opinion unless they want to. But you'll never get a chance to do that if you're beating them over the head with your message. And you don't do that at all. Like in in your music, there's just as many pop culture references or references, like you said, to like the bananas on the counter, solar on the roof, or just hanging out and and spending time with a friend or a partner or whatever. There's just as many references to that and community as there is to the the renewable energy and the EVs and stuff, which I think is one of the reasons why I like it, because you do a very good job, no matter which where you come from in life, you do a very good job of depicting life and you can find a place where someone's going to be able to identify with that. Like I'm forty six, I live in a house in Phoenix with my family. <laughs> during COVID and I was able to pick up what you were laying down. I don't know how old you are, but you're much younger than me. Um, But I was able to pick up, pick on things that you were talking about that related in my life. And then my daughter who is 25 and she's traveling with her boyfriend. They're traveling all over the place to different places and staying in Airbnbs because they're remote because of COVID and they're, they're doing it in a Tesla and she was able to pick things up through that even more than probably me, whereas probably you're closer in age and have similar, uh, more similar interests. But it was just like, it really spanned a nice uh, chunk of of time Thanks. or not time, but experiences.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I appreciate you sharing it with her. I think that's super cool doing like doing a podcast like this too. I think like being awake and seeing the huge transformation that's either happening or is, gonna need to happen in order to, um, preserve like a livable planet, uh, is like, we get to have these really interesting conversations about new things that are happening. We get to have this really deep sense of purpose, um, and, and really be, um, you know, able to, to do something that contributes to a future that we're not feeling sad about, you know? So there's, I think, I think, that, that there's a lot to celebrate in terms of like being around the other other people that share this same kind of thing and like see the, the big picture because um, it, it can be you like look around outside you look at like a car lot right and it's like the IPCC report you know it needs to be like 75 percent of EVs 75 uh, percent of new car sales need to be EVs in like the next five years or whatever and you look at like car lot and there's like none of them so it's very easy to look around and be like oh man it's not working but when you're with people who see it. And when you get to do things and express that, which, you know, becomes your truth or whatever, there's this, there's this quality of life that really is, I think, infectious. And like that, that I was really looking for when I started learning about this, you know, I, I, I think before I got into this, I had this kind of sense, you know, you kind of pick up that like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's litter and, um, you know, I, I sure do create a lot more waste and and i don't really know where it goes and um you know i hear things about the planet and i, I just i guess i feel like i had this underlying sense of being imbalanced a little bit which I, I mean i obviously still do but i think once you learn about how imbalanced the world as a whole is in terms of tr- trying to take this wonderful society we've built and keep it you know keep it working well and help it last i think once you see like yo this is like the the this is like the best movie plot ever because the odds are so low and we want to do everything that we can. And every person that like gets excited about it is your teammate. And it's, there's this just deep sense of purpose. And, uh, and it, I think it's really challenged me to like grow as a person and as a creator and stuff. Cause yeah, you're part of this, like you're part of this movement and it's, it's really genuine. So I, I think, you know, sending you emails about like, Hey, I'm taking a, bath in my front trunk. You can't send those emails to everyone they, they you know, and might be like, Oh, spam, you know? So it, it's cool to be around people who are like thoughtful and aware. And, and that's, that's a really quick, quick friends. You know, it's a, it, you make quick friends, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like the, the people that listen to this show, they range from like very conservative people to, uh, very liberal to, you know, people who've never been to college and work blue collar jobs like myself or, uh, people who have you know very advanced degrees, I hear from from all of them, and the one thing that we can agree on depend no matter where you're coming from there's lots of things to disagree on is like we need to do something, and even a little bit helps like it's very expensive to put solar on your house i've done it it's extraordinarily expensive, and then if you want to add batteries to that, it's even more expensive. But that does make a difference. But also, this the same like you were saying with the litter. Like if you see trash on the ground, pick it up and throw it in the garbage. It's typically two to three feet away from the trash that's on the ground. Um, like little like you're saying, like little little steps make big differences in the overall. Because you know, there's billions of people in the world. If billions of people threw one more piece of trash away, or or didn't uh, you know walk to the the store, the grocery store that's only a few minutes away versus driving? Those things all add up in the end, and it's not a big, it's not a big commitment. It's just a small little gesture.
2: And, and I would add to
0: that, like I think if it if it creates unhappy, like if if it's a drag for people, um, or if it like limits people's freedom, then I, I think that's like I don't think we want that, like even, you know, as juiced as I am about this stuff, like, I don't want to do stuff that I don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's very few ways that I've like, you know, changed my life to sacrifice quality of life so that I could like be more sustainable. It's not really about me, right? It's not about you. Like a lot of the systems change that we need. Like you and I can demonstrate that we're people that care about this and indicate there's a market for it, for corporations, that there's votes for it, for politicians, but like You know, it, it, you know, so it's, it's, if it sucks, like people won't do it. Right. Like, but if, if you can, if you can, if you can show people that it's fun and that it's connected to something that's really profound, uh, then you can build community around it and you can find co-benefits. You know, I think even if you don't care about the environment, I still think a model three is like the best value car, uh, that there is, uh, I, depending on what you paid for solar, you know, we saved $70 a month um, on our electric bill. Our, our kilowatt hour here is like 14 and a half cents. So it's a little bit more expensive than other places in Florida, at least. So we paid like $2 a watt for our solar and it was a you know significant savings um, with $0 down. So there's like a huge co-benefit if you don't care about it. And I think that's what Tesla understood is that like, we can't just sell this based on it being good for s- someone besides the buyer. Uh, we need to like m- make this way better anyway. And, and maybe people will care about this. They won't, but they'll make a, a helpful decision to adopt an electric car. And I think that's the same message, like, or the same thought process with the music is like, I don't want to just be like, you know, listen to my songs. Cause I'm talking about this important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, no, I want this to be the, like the most, I want this to compete on like funness and like musicality and all that kind of stuff. And if the things I'm interested in happen to be these sustainable things, then maybe people will be interested in it or they won't. But, but I really think that's like the, the exciting work is like how to make this have co-benefits that are, you know, make people's quality of life better um, than, than whatever else, you know, an and investment too. Like if I can just blather on, since this is my interview, Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like i've been in- investing um as if climate change is real and there's a couple of interesting funds that have uh, one of them is like spoken at robin hood about the same strategy and they short these donut stocks that, that you know, call donut stocks they're headed to zero uh, that are fossil fuel related and they invest in things like uh home depot or lowe's that people will need to buy things to repair hurricane da- you know, natural disaster related damage um and so the idea is that like, if climate change is real, either we'll adapt to it and these things I've invested in will do like really, really well, or we won't and society will collapse and it won't matter what I invested in. So it's kind of like this zero sum game for not having to worry about my investment portfolio that much. Um, so, so I think like, you know, it just brings this whole other lens to almost every aspect of, of life, like, like, um, like diet, you brought up that I'm vegan, which like, I'm, I'm I'm not super rigid. Like vegans would probably not refer to me as vegan. Cause if I go home to my parents and they make whatever they make, I'm like, yeah, mom, I'm not, you know, you don't have to make anything else, but we have a, a meal plan here and we've hired one of our friends and they cook 10 meals a week or five meals a week, whatever you want. It's like $7 a meal. And it's these like delicious prepackaged kind of things that are cheaper than if I went to a restaurant, they're right there in my fridge. They're all plant-based, but if you know, like if I didn't care about plant-based at all, I would still sign up for this in a heartbeat. And I don't think anyone else on the meal plan is plant-based, but there's like 10 other people that are eating this way just because of all of the co-benefits of this plant-based meal plan. And she gets to have, you know, income uh, that's, you know, that's helps her out and all these other people have really convenient food source in their busy lives. Um, So I think when we think of, think that way about like, how do we hack this, um, then we don't have to be like, Oh, I can't eat that. You know, like I want that, but I can't have it because of sustainability, you know? Um, so that, that's really what I'm juiced about is, is finding those things. Um, and I think, I think they're out there.
1: We're, we're similar. We don't need a lot of meat in my house, mostly because I don't, I don't care for meat as a general rule, just taste wise or consistency. I don't like touching it. Um, so I'm a little bit of a princess when it comes to that stuff, but we, we sometimes we'll eat chicken and stuff like that, but we rarely eat meat in my house. And then I have friends who are like big time hunters and meat eaters who refer to me as a vegetarian. (laughs) It's not, it's not exactly a vegetarian because I will eat meat. I just don't, I prefer not to eat meat, but uh, yeah, I, I totally get you on, on the, what, how people classify. Cause if I don't eat beef or pork for sure, but because I eat chicken to them, I'm a vegetarian for some reason. Yeah, but <laughs> the, chicken's not a vegetable, by the way, just curious.
0: <laughs> well, it's not. Ch- ch- I think chicken's actually really efficient. Like I've heard every two pounds of feed, you feed a chicken, it, it gains a pound in weight. So like in terms of, uh, in terms of which, you know, if you are going to get, uh, one of your food source is going to be meat, like, like beef is like, you know, really, really the worst. I think like a, a, a beef patty is like two weeks of taking showers for the extra water it takes to grow the crops and then feed them to the cows and then harvest the meat versus if you just ate the, the you know, the vegetables in the first place. Um, and my river that I grew up on is like on its way out being poisoned from nitrates that are coming from animal agriculture and the, in the recharge basin of that river. Um, and, and then the methane, you know, like I think 16% of our emissions are from animal agriculture uh, cow burps. Methane is like 60 times stronger than CO2. And so, you know, there, there's, there's like cows suck, man. <laughs> so chickens are like way better than cows. In my opinion.
1: Um, yeah. You know, I did the, I did a story when I first started this podcast and it was, they noticed that, um, the cows in Canada off of the, I think it was the Eastern coast of Canada had less, um, I guess, digestive issues. And what they linked it to was uh, this seaweed that uh, happens to be uh, grown there and it would wash up on shore and the cows would eat it. And it cut down on that methane um, exhaust from the cows. And they, they did this whole study where they mixed it in with the food and they, it made a significant reduction in methane produced by those cows. And it was easy and, and renewable to um, keep this, this uh, seaweed, this specific seaweed, going But I don't know what they've done with that after that. That's like five years ago. I don't know. That's really interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, pig farms are the same thing. You know, uh, I I used to live in Idaho and pig farms. Nobody, everybody wanted, um, who who was in pig farming, wanted to have a big, giant pig farm. But everybody in the area, and this is an area of people who are farmers and ranchers, didn't want the pig farm because of the smell and what Mm. it is to the environment and things like that
0: was it really profitable to have a, a
1: pig farm? Is that why people
0: want to start? Yeah. I, I always wonder like, you know, for all the externalized costs from these things, like it is cattle farming really that profitable, you know, like, like you, some of these industries, like, are they, are they really cash cows, you know, like, uh, some of them, many of them have to be subsidized in order to be able to be profitable. It's hard for me to imagine they're making any like, you know, huge profit margins on any of the stuff. Um,
1: yeah, the I think like if 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 they worked out what the cost was to the environment, um, what the cost was for transportation and then what the cost was for processing and, and raising and things like that, if they worked that all out. And then the farmer and the people would end up having to pay more money, but the farmer would have to pay some sort of, um, fee that goes against or goes towards, um, minimizing those, um, um, the energy that's used for those activities. Um, I think that people would rethink, but because you have no, it's like, it's like Walmart and I'm, I, I don't hate Walmart. I'm a big union guy, but. Beyond that, I don't hate Walmart as a company, but Walmart with paying their employees less or not letting them work so many hours that they don't get full time benefits, and then right. they have to live off of of uh, public service uh, public service one of them I think of um, it's not welfare exactly public benefits public yep. benefits there you go thank you um, like there's a there's a no cost to the company like Walmart to do that however there's a great cost to the the folks who pay taxes and things like that. And the businesses who pay taxes to help support uh, a for-profit company. I think if we did something similar um, in that we made them responsible for um, money generated, I guess not money generated money lost and environmental losses that would change some things, maybe a little
0: yeah, No, I, I think you're right on. I think, I think that's the biggest single thing we could do. It is, and, and our boy, Elon Musk, is a proponent of this, not necessarily in terms of agriculture specifically, but pricing carbon. Um, so the idea being that that these activities um, externalize, that they have unreasonable profit, you know? So it's like, yeah, you're profitable, but it's because there are these costs that you're not paying, you know, Walmart or, um, you know, uh, pig farmer or utility who's burning fossil fuels like you're you're profitable but it's it's unreasonable profit because the real cost of these activities is more than the revenue that you're creating from them so so you have unreasonable profit and what needs to happen is unless we want to pay that cost plus a bunch of interest in the future we've got to price that cost into what we pay for things now so that it incentivizes better options to be able to compete like renewables or you know um in, in agriculture, you know, they have alter- meat alternatives now, or, or they bring in seaweed, maybe seaweed can't compete with, with the economics of whatever else they would feed the cows. But now if you price in those unpriced externalities, now you can kind of take our free market and set it free on trying to solve these problems and and not be, uh, it, it's, in, it's essentially an, it's like a, a subsidy, right? You could, you could look at like an externalized cost as like actually like a subsidy. It's like, we're letting, we're like society is taking on this burden of debt that this corporation is not having to pay. So we're essentially subsidizing them, right? And we're, we're incentivizing the wrong things. And so that, that I think that makes it really clear like why we have so many problems is we're incentivizing these corporations that m- they move a lot, you know, they do a lot of stuff, whether it's good or bad. And they're not evil inherently, you know, they don't want to make profit just off doing bad stuff. But if we incentivize them to, to do bad things by essentially subsidizing those bad things or, 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 you know, not putting a tax on things that are harmful in the future, then what are they going to do? You know, what, what can they do? They've got to compete. So um, I think Elon Musk does a great job of explaining that. I think it's like there, there's a lot of research. I have There's a, a tool that will show you what the result of pricing carbon uh, is by 2100 on temperature rise you can see it for different prices on carbon and different how it's phased in at different time periods. Um, and it's the single biggest, it's not silver bullet, but it's the most silver bullet, um, for, for bringing down temperature rise by 2100 is, is a price on carbon. And, um, I think the way that you described it was like, I think, you know, and, and I think it's like, it's very not understood. I think, I think they're, they're, you know, we don't hear people talking about that. That's why I have that carbon price necklace in the music videos. Cause it's like the only way that I can get people on the street to be like, what's well, pricing
2: carbon, yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Actually I, I didn't, I, I, I saw that and I was like, I don't really understand that. So that you've actually done a, a good job of explaining that. And in the same way, when you're you were like, we're subsidizing these companies in not so much in a, in a monetary way, but in the damage that it's causing and everything, like there's nothing that you're going to do um, unless you sit in one spot and you just decay and die that you're not going to be causing some sort of problem or problem for the environment. Like if you build a house, you, caused some, some sort of problem for their environment. You've you know disrupted some beetle's habitat or some mouse's habitat or whatever. You, you just can't get away from it. But we need to do it in a responsible way. But when you're saying we subsidize those companies, we subsidize them in two ways because meat prices, especially for cows, are very expensive. The guys I work with, they eat beef uh, two or three times during our shift. We work 48 hours. So they'll eat them for dinner and maybe have hamburgers for lunch. Um, so you have that subsidy where you're paying those outrageous meat prices, because quite frankly, like they look for stuff that's on sale because it is meat right now is so expensive. And then we also subsidize it the other way. Like,
2: I think what you
0: said about like that unless you were going to like, just not live anymore, (laughs) but that like you're, (laughs) you're, you're constantly like succeeding or like continuing to live at the expense of the environment. I think that's what like, I think that's the flip side of this, right? That's, that's, that's what makes me feel sad about the future. And, um, I I came across a a girl named Linda in New York. Um, she was a high schooler. She had like a YouTube channel. She was incredibly thoughtful and creative. Uh, and she took her life because she learned so much about this. And just, I I think, I, I mean, I can imagine like, um, just couldn't stomach it anymore. Like just, she she wrote a letter to the New York Times and had it sent upon her upon you know her taking her life and that just you know spoke volumes to me of like what kind of world have we created where you know the the best and brightest of us like the one the 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 kids that are really good can't bear to live in this world because they're part of this system that is is necessarily injuring other people for them to to continue to live so I think that's like the the dark side of this which is also very real and,
1: um, and, uh, and tough. Yeah. And it, it's really unfortunate. Like, uh, we see a lot of suicide at my job and you never like the person who commits suicide never sees the, the other side of what, what their actions did. And I'm not blaming anybody for committing suicide, but like, I see, I deal with the families and things like that after the yep. the fact and it's, it's heart wrenching. And it's heart wrenching to think that somebody was, was living in such a way that they felt like that was their answer was to, to get out. And there's been people in my family who have committed suicide. So like, I'm, I'm not trying to be, um, callous towards that w- whatsoever. Um, I'm, it's just like that's, there's so much more. Like we didn't get into this problem overnight. Like the industrial revolution True. really pushed us into where we are now. Um, more profits, more, um, more stuff, you know, materialism. And then I say this being in you know, somebody that lives in a decent sized house with like, I'm looking in my closet that happens to be open right now. And I've got books, I've got a printer, I've got uh, a second printer for color, you know, I've got, mm-hmm. I've got crap. I've got an Xbox and a TV in this room. Um, but because of that push and, and consumerism and stuff, and by the way, please don't email me. I'm not a liberal. Like I'm not, I'm not a conservative. Like I closely identify with like libertarianism, but I don't even really identify with them that much. So I have very strong views all over the political map. Um, but I do recognize that the constant want of more and the constant want of companies to be profitable, which is their job, if, especially if they're publicly right. traded. But if you're a mom and pop shop, you don't want to break even. You you want to be able to to live a life. Um, and breaking even for a mom and pop shop is definitely not living life. So, um, but because of this, this drive for all of this, it's, it's gotten ahead of reasonable environmental, um, protections basically like, you know, the Hudson river or the, um, what's the, in New York, the, the tunnel of, Love, uh, the wasn't there like radioactive waste that was poured into a river. I don't know. I'm having a moment. Um. Anyway, the whole point is, is like companies over and over again have have um, poisoned waterways and, and buried um, like there's where I grew up. There's a ton of super fun sites because I grew up in an area of Alaska where there's oil companies, fertilizer companies, uh, gas companies. <laughs> and they yeah. just buried stuff. And there's, there's sites that you can't do anything with for like, uh, God knows how long. I think it's 150 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll be long dead before those places ever see anything useful put on top of them other than, you know, a fence around the, the Superfund site. So it's, it's, it's sad.
0: Those companies, you know, that like, it's not like they were, were bad, right? Like they, they were just, you know, you brought up industrial revolution and like, let's just assume they were trying their hardest and like I get to have this conversation and like wear these headphones and like not have to be a subsistence farmer because of the agricultural and industrial revolution. And so, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want, it's not to stop my feet at like industry. Cause I, you know, like you said about like having two printers and stuff, there, there's a lot of privileges I get to have from, from that. So like, I think, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be grateful for. It's just, we're on a trajectory that's, um, potentially going to put all of that at risk. Uh, and so now it's time to like level up, you know, we can't just get there and stop. We've got to figure out how to make this last and, uh, and some things might have to change. And and now hopefully we have the resources to be able to make that really sharp turn. Um, uh, if, you know, if we,
1: if we have the will. Yeah, I agree. And again, again don't email me because like my, my views, th- those are things that happened. I'm not saying, uh, you know, that they're the worst people in the world, uh, because I will get emails on this for, from this interview, but, um, just because people have very passionate views one way or the other. Right. Um, but those, those things did happen. And then on top of that, like they didn't happen overnight. It took a very long time. And this, the problem that we're going the way to correct it and get us back on a good course. Cause we can still do all of the things that we're doing now and be responsible about it and make a big impact, which is w- what you're saying. And I don't want people to think that I'm like cease everything. Cause that's not, that's not where I'm coming from. But, um, once to get over that, that hump, uh, we're over a hundred years of, of, um, being, Roughly bad actors or or ignorant actors we 'll call it that it 's going to take a very long time to to get over that like if you if you gained the covid fifteen right it 's not in a year it 's going to take you you know a, a, size, a, a more time than it took you to gain the weight to lose the weight and it 's kind of the same principle in in correcting where we are with our environment it's going to take more time, maybe three times as long to actually um, correct it. But we, I I still think even though scientists are like, you know, once we get past, this this is a point of no return. I do think technology advances in such a way and we get new data. I don't know the, um, it would be like somebody in the 1800s predicting something that happened today. Like, I don't know that because they just didn't know what we could, what, what's out there. And in that same way, like 2100, I'll be dead. But I have no idea what's coming out in, in during that time. And maybe mm-hmm. we do find a solution that is more helpful than what we know now. But I, that doesn't mean we shouldn't start trying, for sure. For sure. For
0: sure. I, I uh, Yeah, it's certainly like it's a one day at a time kind of thing, right? Like, as, an, as a human being, you know, emotionally, it's one day at a time. Um, certainly, if you look at the, you know, projections, which even include... Um, margins for new technology although you could obviously invent you know you can invent anything and it could presumably solve the problem but following the trajectories of what what's being developed now there are margins for new technology if you were going to look at at the projections of where we're headed you you kind of are faced with like one day at a time because it doesn't it, it looks very hopeless right and and I think um, you just got to take it one day at a time. You know, you you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what's going to happen. And you try to do your best. And I think the worst thing is for people to just become discouraged and decide that it doesn't matter, that it's all gone. You know. Um, but but similarly, I think I think it's it, it seems unreasonable to me to assume that something will come along to solve it. Like you know like that's one possibility. Um, I don't know what the odds of that are, that there will be something developed that, that does miraculously pull us out of this really hard situation, but it seems unreasonable to assume that that will happen given that, um, that the risk is like extreme, you know, there's, there's a lot on the table that's, that's at at risk, right? Like you wouldn't leave your house to that chance or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, um, it's a, there's a lot to lose if, if that's wrong. So it seems like you would want to do everything to try to bring that risk down no, and and not on an individual level. I mean, again, like there's, there's only so much that we can do and, and not become like hermits or something like that. Um, But, but I think that, that uh, one day at a time and, and trying to, you know, still like be kind to people and like not be a dick and stuff. Can I say that on the show? I don't know if there's like yeah, a, sure. yeah. So, that's the motto. One day at a time, don't be a dick.
2: <laughs>
1: I I agree with you. I, I um I can see I can tell you like from when I was a kid which I grew up in a very like, like in hippies, like kind of a lifestyle. And we didn't, there wasn't, it was a like very hard to get things like to get a VCR where I grew up when VCRs first came out, like you had to order it and it would take three months. Like, it's not like it was like you walk up to Radio Shack. Yeah. You Amazon delivers it. <laughs> right. Right. But I can tell you, um, from what I've seen since in my adult years, right. Went from, like nobody had, even when I was, you know, an adult and working, nobody had a recycling bin. Nobody um, thought even 10 years ago when I started talking or even longer than that, I've been a firefighter for almost 20. So when the Prius came out, that started when I was a firefighter and people like, oh, it'll never take off. The Prius is still going. When uh, Tesla started doing the Roadster and the Model S, I was talking to my captain at the time and he was like, nah, it'll never work. And I was like, nah, I think it will. And then pretty soon, you know, my captain at that time is retired now. But every now and again, you know, we, we chat. And he's like, oh, Tesla's doing really cool things with this and this and this. And then Ford came out with the F-150. This guy is uh, in his real life. He's a painter. Uh, you know, he's a retired firefighter. But he he's a very successful um, contractor. And uh, he's like, hey, what do you think of that F-150 Lightning? Like, I think I think it's really good. You should buy one. And you know, this is the kind of guy that buys a new truck every three or four years, um, and an electric truck for for this guy would be money one because it would save him money because he lives in the West Valley and his clients seem to all live in the East Valley and they're in, in uh, Phoenix, which is you know an hour an hour and a half drive depending on where he's going mm-hmm. and, and traffic. Like I I see hearts and minds changing. You see those recycling like. It used to be like the recycling bin in the station was just another trash can. And now it's more like this is the recycling bin. It goes in the recycling trash can outside. Uh, you know, it, it, those hearts and, and minds, it's, it's slowly changing, but it is changing for sure. And I don't want people to think I'm doing doom and gloom or, or naysaying what, what, the the scientists are because I'm again, an, edu- an, edu- an educated podcaster who apparently can't talk. But, uh, like I, I, I see change. I just don't know that it's just going to be, we're going to be long dead before we see the fruits of those, uh, changes and, you know, for my kid's sake and my kids, kids sake, I really hope that we do go over that curb because it is a sad, um, realization that, you know. The when I was a kid, they had this video of like no trees and the, <laughs> the desert and like, <laughs> and stuff. Like from a from a child perspective, that scared the heck out of me, and uh, I don't want that for my kids for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the things that are, I think the things that are in that video, you know, like I think that's the picture that a lot of people think of. And there's, there's still going to be, you know, areas that are nice or whatever. I think the scary thing is the people who have their food sources disrupted, the people who have to become refugees because their island nation is, you know, not above water anymore, and what that does to destabilizing our political environment. You know, Sir- Syria's refugee crisis is like a million refugees, and that was really big for europe's politics and leading to brexit and if you look at the projections for climate refugees by 2050 it's in the hundreds of millions from climate change from sea level rise and from disrupted food sources and so it's some of those like it's not like tumbleweeds in a desert necessarily but it's like how does our society absorb all of this change very quickly and i think that that's that's like the more realistic danger in my mind it's not just what happens to those hundreds of millions of people, but like, how does that affect our, our, the, you know, everyone in our global, you know, way of, yeah, I think that that's the stuff that like is a little, you know, more nuanced or tricky or whatever in my mind is, is, are the effects of that. Um, but we'll, we'll probably see it in our lifetimes, probably figure out,
1: you know what? I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So in that same way that we need to correct things, right, Uh, we need to kind of correct course on where we are environmentally. I read an article and I did it on the show, but just in case there was uh, a big boost to people who started listening recently, just in case they didn't hear it. If you covered, it was like, I think it was like 40% of the Sahara Desert, right? If you covered that up with solar panels, like that's going to change that whole environment, of the Sahara Desert, right? And then that'll have a counter reaction like somewhere on the other side of the world, let's say in the um, on the Asian continent. So whatever we do, uh, even if we're we're doing it for good, we need to make sure that we are doing um, the right things. Like it, it makes a lot of sense if you just are at a cocktail party and you're like, well, we should just there's nothing in the Sahara Desert that anybody cares about. Right. Solar panels up Put some solar panels there. <laughs> But the thing that blew me away was like, well, yeah, you can do that, but it's also going to affect another, the environment, the ecosystem of another um, area or, or even a whole continent. And like, you, whatever we do is, it's just got to be spread out and and well thought out. Fully considered. And, and I think that's so hard to do when these systems are really
0: complex. Right. So like deep ocean currents, like you mentioned, uh, and like we're seeing natural disasters, like, like, especially, um, especially like, like soundbite liberals, I would say, like, I, if I can call, like, if I don't know if that's offensive term, but like people who just are kind of like hurricane climate change, you know, like there is a relationship, but like there's still hurricanes without climate, you know what I mean? It's not like a straight line there, like, these are complex systems that this has an influence on, but it's not like this hurricane was caused by climate change necessarily. You know what I mean? So how do you, how do you fully consider uh, a solution before you do something that actually contributes to the problem when the when it's such a complex system that you're trying to create solutions inside of and I think I think the really good argument counter argument to solar and all this kind of stuff is like battery technology and how batteries are, you know it's human rights issues around the way the materials are uh, gathered as as tech me as I am I cannot figure out how to silence my cell phone I just got a new cell phone update. So sorry for all the dings and things. Um, but yeah, I think you're good. batteries are, batteries are the, I think the weakest link right now, which is like, if you got all this renewable energy, you need to be able to store it. Tesla says they're going to be able to rake lithium from sand in the desert. So keep our fingers crossed or whatever. But um, I think that's, you know, that's it's, kind of like where solar was 10 years ago is it's like, I don't know if this is really here yet. You know, hopefully there's investment into this and we figure it out and we figure out how to make it not, not so environmentally damaging to create the solution. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, we're, we're running a little long and I apologize for that, but you, you, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. The batteries don't have to necessarily be like lithium ion batteries. Like you can, they had, um, they've talked about taking like a train car and Put, yeah. uh, so that it, it travels up the hill during the daytime with the excess power that's not being used. And then at nighttime, the train car comes down and it powers the the, tur- the electric turbines. So we have power at night. There was another story that a, um, a group, I think ASU or U of A had something to do with this, but they put these, they wanted to put these huge towers in the desert and they took up a very little footprint and then they had uh, water in the base of the towers. And then the water, as the day heated up, the water would, would go through these towers and would go through a, a turbine. And then as at nighttime, when it cooled off, all of that water would then go back through the turbine again. Um, on its way down and it just kind of, it's a closed system and it just recycled and it was able to turn. I don't know how much energy they were able to generate or if it ever even got off the ground, it was, it was more of a study, but there's lots of things that can be used for batteries that aren't necessarily what we think of as batteries. And I do think that is a, a big, uh, part of, of storing energy is a big component of getting us um, over, uh, over that next hurdle.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard those two as well. I think that's super fascinating and I don't remember, but it seemed like they were actually pretty efficient. Doesn't, doesn't help you, um, drive your electric car necessarily, but it's interesting to consider that like some of these really simple things, like you can store potential energy in a train full of cement. I think it was, they had like, you know, like a really heavy train, um, and they just like pushed it up a hill and then it went down and so, that's, that's uh it's an adventure figuring out.
1: Yeah, no, it's super cool. And I think we'll leave it, we'll leave it there. But Dane, uh, do you want to tell people how to find you and how to listen to your music?
2: Well, I've just made myself out to be such a liberal and
0: no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know if I want people to find me. Um, I, I'm actually like you, like I don't necessarily identify with, with any kind of political camp. Uh, so I should preface that before I tell people where to find me. Okay. um, <laughs> um Instagram. You mentioned like that your your daughter thought the Instagram was cool. It's like a it's like a conti- one continuous painting. So if you want to see a kooky Instagram, you can follow me at Dane Myers, um, or you can send me an email and say hello, Dane at DaneMyers dot com. Actually, um, you know, I, I mentioned that that I would um that I would send you a shirt, but if anybody has like made it, you know, to this and listened to me talk about the things I care about for this long. I would love to send them a shirt as well. So if anybody wants a, a t-shirt that I bought from a thrift store and printed my artwork on, um, I'll send you a zero waste quote, quote t-shirt in the mail. So just send me an email at Dane at Dane And like, let me, I'm sorry, Dane at Dane Myers.com. And let me know like your size and um, what color shirts you like
1: and stuff like that. Awesome. I hope everybody takes you up on that. Like, yeah, for I, sure. I think that's cool. I, I know other people do that kind of thing. And it's, I, I think, um, just in general, the art itself is just a really cool way of, of doing things. In Thanks. Terms of, yeah. I'm going to frame my shirt. So I got, hell yeah. It. Oh, I'll send you another one so you can wear it if you want. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dane. Thank you so much for listening. Or thank you so much for listening. Good God, dude. I'm sorry. It's been a long, long couple of days. Thank, thank you so much, much for listening. For being on. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I had a good time. Maybe you'll come on again if, if, uh, in not too long. Maybe we can chat.
0: Yeah. I'll let you know when I have some new projects that come out and maybe one of them will
1: catch your fancy. For sure. All right, Dane. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed doing it. Like I said, you can you can tell like Dane is a genuine human being that I will uh, gladly have on the show anytime he wants to come on and promote something. And I would encourage you to take Dane up on his offer. He'll send you a free shirt. Just send him your size. And if whether you want the regular crew neck or V-necks and he'll send you an upcycled shirt. All right, everybody, that is our show for this week. I hope everybody had a really nice week. I hope you enjoyed this show. Next week, we are going to go over the Tesla Annual Shareholders Meeting. The week after that, uh, we have a segment from Jessica Kirsch because she's been at Starbase for, I think, three months now. So we should get a nice little update from Jessica. And then we'll also get news on that episode. And I think that's it. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. And I want to thank Dane again for coming on the show. Go to YouTube, search for Dane Myers Music, danemyersmusic.com And then you can search just for Dane Myers on Spotify or Apple Music and listen to his stuff. And I hope you all have a wonderful week.